Hi and welcome to another episode of the Whatever This Is podcast. Uh, just as I've started recording, it's it's very late here and there's still someone banging. I don't know what they're doing, if it's construction or what. But always this happens when we start recording. Someone has to mess it up and it's, it's happened again. But uh, welcome back to another episode. Hope you're doing well. Hope all of you guys are doing well. Thanks a lot for your support on our last video. We had like really good in terms of uh, views and stuff. Thanks to Stefano and, and Richard, our two guests. This week, we're recording a bit later than usual, but I'm joined again by two people. One is, of course, my usual co-host, Mystic Mac, Artem. Artem, how are you doing? What's up? And, What's up, uh, this is This is our Friday night plan, by the way. I've just realized this, that. This is this is the Friday night plan. I'm, I, you know, I'm quite disappointed. You know, last week I, I opened it with Hindi and he, you did promise me you were going to open it. I Shingo. did. Oh, my God. My bad. My bad, man. My bad. I, w- I was going to open it with russian uh but i but i sadly forgot i will do something better next week though uh, another guest we have a new guest here uh, we have a representative from uh, the kenyan football african football community we have a representative he also co-represents turkish football he knows a lot of different leagues and, and you know countries uh, he is also a football twitter member it's our first guest from the realms of football Twitter. We are joined by uh, Patrick Toussaint. I hope I pronounced that right, Patrick. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, the pronunciation will pass. That's good enough. See, it's, it's good enough. Um, so right now we have an Indian, an Irishman who is also Russian, and we have a, a Kenyan on the podcast. So we are truly worldwide. Um, that that's big. Like I, I think we should start making a map of all the uh, all the countries we've had on the podcast. You know, all the countries we've had represented. I think we've had what three continents now. This is this third continent. Oh, should no, hardly. It's been more than three continents. We have three continents in this. There's only seven continents, but we haven't had anyone from Antarctica or Australia. We've had someone from the US. What we had from the US? Leon. I mean, okay, that's fair. I guess he was on the stream though. He wasn't on the board. But um, ah, counts, counts, counts. All right, it counts. Uh, so anyway, let's 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 talk to our, our new guest for a little bit. Junior, how much do you know about yeah. Russian football? By the uh, way, not too much. sorry, cut you off. Uh, Junior is Patrick's nickname. That's what he goes on on football Twitter. And by the way, Junior, tell us tell us about your Twitter ads as well, where the people can follow you. Let's uh, start with that straight away and your introduction to Russian football, how much you know and so on. Uh, my ad is Junior Patricio. Um, on Twitter, you have a bit of a beef with uh, Twitter's support. My accounts keep getting locked, but working on having a stable one. Um, I think I don't really know that much about Russian football. I do follow the clubs mostly in European competitions, and I try to follow any the few Turks who try who play in Russia, I think it's only been Karadeniz from Rubin. Yeah, Karadeniz and Kaner Erkin as well, I think, played there for CSK. I believe. Yeah, back back in the day. Um, you are a Real Madrid fan as well, by the way. I forgot to mention that. There are now two Real Madrid fans on this podcast, Artem. So, and, um, I'm outnumbered. Yeah, you are outnumbered. You're going to get ambushed. And Junior also supports Marseille and like five other clubs. But 
someone made a joke on Twitter that uh, he supports so many clubs that the one that causes him the most pain is Real Madrid, which is very accurate. As, as a Real Madrid fan, I can vouch for that. Uh, but let, let's get started with um, go on. No, I was, I was just gonna say I'm not gonna lie, like Junior, I, I haven't come across you before until like until Hannah told me you were coming on this podcast. But I had a look at your Twitter and I've already laughed about three times at your timeline. So whoever for anybody um for anybody looking um for a good account to follow, give him one. So thanks, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. So right, our time we're in the winter break. Officially, we are in the winter break. Um, Fuck. I, you know what? Bought a blockbuster game to finish off the season. Yeah, see, it was it was Tambov Ural, <laughs> Tambov and Ural Junior are the who are the deadest team in the Turkish league. There's too many of them anyway, but still, it's far too many. I think Tambov Ural would be perhaps the equivalent of uh, something like Ankara, the cap the, the capital clubs, the two capital clubs right now. I'm struggling. Right, so I think so that would be. It's pretty pretty dead uh, from Yucatan. But but we have had a few really good games. The last time we recorded, of course, it was just after, I think the final European match day or something. I don't even know at this point. Um, but on match day 18, we had a few games. CSK drop points again. Krasnodar absolutely hammered Lokomotiv. Zenit beat Dynamo. Spartak lost to Sochi. And by the way, before we get into football, we have a couple of things to just shout out. First of all, check out this interview uh, we at RFN did with Noboa. Great interview. Um, big shout out to Noboa for coming on. He's, I think, still the top scorer in the league or second. What a man. Check that out as well. And secondly, check out uh, this article that our man Ilya wrote about Russian football journalists, who everyone at RFN likes, who everyone at RFN doesn't like. It's a hilarious article and it's done pretty well, so go give that a shout out as well. Um, Artem, do you remember watching any games from this match day 18? Match day 18. Right. I remember watching... I think I watched Krasnodar against Lokomotiv because I can vividly remember being like, what the fuck? Um, maybe I just watched the uh, the highlights, but like, that's uh, apart from that, I can't remember anything. What about you? I, honestly, I can't remember much either. I remember Sochi beating Spartak. I rem- I slightly remembers the need beating Dynamo. Krasnodar oh, you know what? You know, I, I, I remember. No, never mind. I don't. I don't remember that game. I'm mixing up Zenit Spartak with Zenit Dynamo. That's fair. Uh, Krasnodar 5 0 Loco was a, was a mad one. Um, hilarious, by the way. Hilarious as well. What do you think? What do you think? What, what do you think was up with Loco? They signed a player, by the way. They made like the first major transfer of this window. They signed a, a guy from Torpedo who are in the second division. Uh, but what do you think is going wrong with Loco? Art? I saw that. Yeah, do you know, I'm I'm kind of glad we're starting with Loco because um, you know, any anybody coming back from last week, any any uh, yeah. any of Stefano's followers that are listening to the podcast now, welcome back. Um, we'll start with your club. Um, and we've got nothing good to say. Uh, you've had an awful week, like in every sense, of, in every sense of those words. You first lost to Krasnodar, and then you lost to Himke. Krasnodar not only beat you, but they beat you five nil. That is embarrassing, to say the least. It is like embarrassing. I, I, I am, I'm, I was shocked when I heard that. Like, I, like, I thought Krasnodar were going to get a draw. 
at best. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's it is because locomotive usually tend to show up in the big games, and this time they just didn't. Even in this Klimki game, they had zero shots on target in the zero shots at all in the second half against Klimki. Who, by the way, are the Russian AC Milan. Artem said it first, and now they're actually playing like that. This, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, they're second in the table of form over form, 10 games. Yeah, like, that, that's a bit mad. They've beaten like almost every big club. They've taken points off of, of mad, mad clubs. So that's pretty big. Uh, so, you know what, Junio, you said, I mean, like, to you from a complete, from an outsider's perspective, right, from the few games you've watched or whatever, what club do you think looks to be the best in Russia? And, like, yeah, that's the question. That's my first question, I guess. Who is... Do you guys hear that construction, by the way? Yeah, you can hear it. Why is it going on this late? But anyway, what, like, what are your thoughts on Russian football as a whole? And, like, which team has struck out to you to be the best? And um, so far, from whatever you've watched. Before I can answer that, I think I actually do have something to say about locomotive. Uh I noticed they bought Francois Kamano from Bordeaux. I think it was six, six, seven million. Yeah, worst signing and of the season, by the way. Number one. It is a signing that kind of, kind of surprised me in a, in a way. I didn't exactly see them. I didn't see why they would go for someone like Kamano. He's always been a bit on and off. Um, in France, he was there's a season where he hit double digits, but quite a number of them were penalties, and he never really, Got never really shown as kind of guy that takes a football club to to the next level. And right. if anything, I I saw most of his career from Bordeaux, kind of going back downwards in a way, not not exactly moving to a club that was. In the Champions League or anything, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't exactly know if he was the intended replacement for Alexei, but uh, if he was, then that is a, a really, really huge flop. It really is. And he's by the way, I think he's played like twelve or thirteen games, and he's got zero goals, zero assists, and is he's that bad? He's not even had like a penalty or like just a a terrible like side foot assist and cost them six million he's clearly not worked out uh how do you think Miranchuk has done so far though at atlanta because i mean he's he, gasparini is an idiot he's not giving him too many chances even if gomez is fighting with the club he's still coming on as a sub but how do you think Miranchuk is going to do over there in italy i actually hoped he would have started the game against juve seeing as with all the issues going on but I was surprised that he didn't start. And I think going forward, we talked about this on Twitter, I think, where the coach likes to likes his players to kind of earn their, their spot in the team. And he's expecting, probably is, must be expecting the same of Alexei. And it is disappointing for, for a fan of him to kind of see him on the bench and he comes on, he scores or plays well and then the next game he bench back again. on the bench yeah yeah or he has had a bit of a bit of a lack of chance i guess with injuries and 
think he also got COVID a while back. So it has been a bit frustrating, and I really do hope um, 2021 has sort of becomes his year. If Gomez does eventually leave, I think he'd be the perfect, absolute perfect person to fit to slot into that that 10 role behind. Yeah. Especially as like Ilicic hasn't been that good since he came back after being cheated on, has he? Like he's not, <laughs> not fully been the player that he was, which is sad by the way. It's not it's not that funny, but I mean, I mean, it's, I hope Alexi Miranchuk does get his chance. And Artem, I'm gonna come back to you by the way. We we had a a sort of a mailbag segment, which I'm gonna bring up on the screen right now, and we basically asked people to. Are we just finished with the league? No, we're not finished with the league. We're going to come back to the league. But since we're right. on the Miranchuk's right. All uh, right, okay. Petrosi Anter, Uzbek football fan. Good account, by the way, uh, about Uzbek football. He says that Anton is the more important Miranchuk brother for club and country. What do you think, Artem? What's your take on this matter? I mean, he's the more important player for Lokomotiv now because Alexei's gone. Right, that's the only reason. For country, I actually kind of agree with that. Um, Anton Miranchuk has has played a lot better for Russia. I I, I don't honestly know their stats, but exactly. like I can I can like I can remember in recent history Anton playing a big role in a lot of games and scoring goals and things like that. And Alexei just hasn't done that. So I can kind of see the arguments for the national team was well, not true at Lokomotiv. Uh, at any point, really, there was a season where they kind of went head to head um, in in goals mm-hmm. and assists. I think at one point it was like Alexei had like I'm making these figures up, but there was something like that: two goals, or sorry, two, yeah, two goals and eleven assists, and Anton had the the opposite, eleven goals and two assists, or something, something stupid like that. Right. Um, but um, no, I, I think Alexei was always the uh, the main man for Lokomotiv and the national team. I I can see the argument. That's fair. Um, I don't know if I agree. Honestly, you know what? I can't. They're like the same player to me, honestly. So I can't tell you any of their stats or anything. But clearly, you I just I can't feel, tell, tell them apart in pictures. That's the only reason. Exactly, right? So, but I do think Alexi will become very important for Atlanta. Like, like on the surface, this just seems like a really egregious take, doesn't it? But then when you when you look at it, I guess he is. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, moving on to the Russian Premier League, Artem. Zenit, Zenit beats Spartak. Did you yeah. watch this game? And I didn't. I didn't, but I saw the goals. And um, all I can say is it was really 4 0. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I completely forgot. All right. Gee, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I can't believe thank you almost you. forgot. It was the goal of the season. It's the that, pushcast 2020. All right, okay. See, now I'm now I'm fired up. Now I am fired up. <laughs> I'm fired up now, okay. Dejan Lovren. Junior knows this if he's listening to the podcast. Junior knows Lovren is trash as well. I'm sure he does. Junior, do you think yeah. uh, Lovren is trash? All too well. Good. There you go. So, for months, I have come on this podcast, Artem, and I've told you that Lovren isn't worth 12 million, that he's not going to be a significant uh, improvement to whatever we have at the back. I've told you that we could have spent that money better, and I've told you that he's Lovren. At the end of the day, he does have an own goal like that, or he has like that sort of complete blunder in him, which we are going to pull up on the screen right now. I don't care if I get copyright striked, all right? 
Zenit ended up winning this game, but I just want your comments on Lovren, Artem. I, I want to see how you can defend that. Okay. I have perfect defense here. Okay. You don't. I do. You have criticized Lovren for months. I for have. months. And he's been great. He's been great for months. And at the minute you come back and say, you know what, Lovren's actually not that bad of a player. He's actually worth the money. That's when he starts going shit. I've never said he's all worth of the you. money. But look at that. Though. What a, a glorious finish that is. That's there's no, yeah, Can I just, like, I appreciate the kind of strength that has to take his chest to do that. Like, that is, like, glorious. It's glorious, and thank God that he turned up winning. Otherwise, I would have had more of a field day. It's absolutely banged. Junior, what's your commentary on this one goal? And what do you think of Dejan Lovren and Zenit? Uh, I think I have seen crazy own goals. Um, I think this is up there with Marcel last season for, for Lyon against PSG. Thank you, oh, that was a classic as well. <laughs> Yo, that was a really that was a <laughs> this is this is uh, with that in terms of just how ridiculous and unexplainable it is um, regarding Lovren I think I watched him in a few of the Champions League games not mistaking him with uh, someone else and I don't know if he did he score in the in the Champions League this season, or am I thinking of someone else? Yeah, he did. He scored that like banger against Bruges, but it was given as an own goal. Yeah, yeah technically it was it was a, it was his goal, but because it hit the post and off the keeper, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was the own goal. I do remember him being a bit on and off in those in those Champions League games, where at times he just sort of switched off and almost forgot he was he was in the middle of a match and. It, <laughs> It was a bit um, calming to see him see a player I actually recognize play for play for those clubs when I'm trying to to sit through the games for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, was calming and hilarious just watching him try to play football. Don't think, even think he's that old. Don't think he's hit 35. Nah, he's, he's like, like 31, 32, I think. He's not that so old. He's, he's still... He's in the peak of his physical career. It's not much, though, when you do things like this. Look, he's only practicing for when he gets the chance in the other net. <laughs> he has scored this season, by the way. I think he does have a couple of goals. He takes um, free kicks for us. He's great. He's not great. Let us, let's not go that far. But oh, you know, I'm so happy you're back on the Lovren hate train. I cannot wait for some world-class performances. What, in three months' time? Yeah. And he's going to score in the training camp in I'm going to be sending anti-Lovren propaganda every day for those three months, just so it builds up. And then the yeah. day he comes back, he's going to score five. That's not, that's not going to happen gonna happen by the way this is completely off topic patrick but have you ever like been to a game or have you ever um because you know sport pesa of course you know sport pesa right from kenya live match yeah because you know what happens with that like hull city and a few clubs and even everton have come to kenya haven't they to play like a friendly game against gormahia or something 
Yeah, they have. Uh, the games have actually. I've attended Standard uh, Liège match. Oh my. Uh, so Besiktas in a friendly. I think it was three, four years ago. Yeah, four, probably four years ago. And yeah, I think I think it's just those two. Those are the only two clubs I've seen live. Live, yeah. I've I've only watched I've only watched one live, which was I mean uh, CSK versus Basel in Moscow, and that was Xhaka's brother scored in that game. It was a pretty good goal. He's still the better Xhaka. He represents Albania. Toland Xhaka. Fun fact out there. Um, Adam Rajesh played really well. He was man of the match. Respect. Amazing performance. Honestly, Wendell played really, really well. Uh, man of the match performance from him. Spartak were invisible. They didn't do anything. They barely had any shots. And after that, uh, Domenico Tedesco came out can, and said... Can I, can, uh, I, can I just quickly talk about one other thing before we go on to Tesco? Sure. What did you What did you think of uh, Maximenko for that first goal? It was trash. Should have saved it. Really trash. Yes. And it made it made me question. Well, actually, it made me not question for the first time in a long time who the number one for the national team should be, and I think it should be Safonov. What do you think? The number one for the now? Yeah. No, he shouldn't. Who? I don't know, Dupin, Belinov, I don't know, not not Safonov now. He should get games, but he should not be like playing in the Euro final. He absolutely should. I think Safonov's the man. He's, Safonov has these errors in him. Safonov has done worse. Look, what is the point of someone like, like Dupin is like past 30, right? Sure. So is Belenov. Belenov's probably like fucking 60 at this page, mm. stage. All right. What is the point of bringing up those like those two keepers? Like, I feel like they also wouldn't fit in to any. Like, it's it's become a big thing in football recently that goalkeepers are part of the tactics, and I feel like if that's going to be the case, now I'm not saying it is going to be the case, but if that's going to be the case, then Safanov has to be the man, right? Yes, but not it's going not going to happen under the current manager, is it? No, maybe not. But Stanley is still going to play Gilherm. Yeah, that's, that's all. Oh, like, like, do you not think Safonov should be in ahead of Guillermo at least, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, definitely. Well, uh, yeah. So there you go. Like that. That's just purely what I'm based off because I don't think Dupin or uh, Belenov are gonna get called up as a first choice at least. It's sad though. Like they deserve it. It's as sad, a, but they deserve. Like it. It's their fault for being born at the same point as uh, Igor Kvyatkov. <laughs> it really is. Um, but after after the game, by the way, Domenico Tedesco. First of all, last week in the weekend, Domenico Tedesco got basically pretty disgustingly cussed out by a, ma- a member of the Sochi staff, where he was basically told to go back to his own country and things of that nature. And Joao kicked, literally kicked uh, Tedesco's assistant. This had a really adverse impact on Tedesco. And then after the Zenit game, he just came out and said that I'm not going to be extending my contract, which expires at the end of the season. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, move on from Spartak. Uh, Adam, how does this make you feel? And can you think of any, like, where do you think Spartak go from here? Given Tedesco goes through with this, by the way, that's one big thing. I'm still of the opinion that things can change. A lot of things can happen in the next few months. And for Spartak's sake, look, like 
there's probably no club I dislike more than Spartak being a Zenit fan. But I can also appreciate that they, you know, they're they're a big club with a big fan base, and I, I want them ultimately to do well. Um, and I think it's just it's so so bad for them. Like it's super bad news because he's like he has those same vibes as Massimo Carrera had. Like right. he has those same like like young manager like really eager to get his team playing and you know like almost like a Jurgen Klopp as well style of like motivation yeah. and it's just like it's super cool to see something like that in the RPL and t- to lose him would be just so disappointing for the club um and but like to be honest like I can see why like he he might want to leave especially like those comments that the, the weekend were absolutely disgusting and like I, I really like. Uh, w- once someone says something like that, I, I lose all respect for them. And um, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I, I, I mean, well, I, I just hope, I hope that guy gets punished. Um, either by you know the RFU probably won't happen. Yeah. Or or by just karma. Yeah, and that's the that's that's these are the things that you know put me off Russian football. That stuff like that, the fact that he's probably not gonna go. Punish the fact that like journalists and those stupid idiots that Ilya mentioned in this article, which you must read by the way, that they just you know keep defending it. And p- people were saying that oh Tedesco didn't shake hands with Zanayev, which he did. And like if someone tells me to get out of the country and just says I'm not going to shake hands with anyone, <laughs> like for that that's that's the main thing. And it's just sad because he's such a he seems like a really nice guy. Spartak have grown a lot with him. It's just it's just sad. That he's leaving. Uh, Patrick, what do you think of Tedesco as as a manager? Maybe from his time at Schalke, and can you think of like any manager? Kike Setien, by the way, that absolute legend is being linked to Spartak. How do you think he would do there? Uh, I think those were a couple of questions. Uh, one of them actually ties yeah, sure. back into a question you asked earlier, where um, I do think Zenit and Spartak are perhaps the biggest clubs in. In Russia, from from what I've seen, from from what I've heard, from what I've read, and right. yeah, Zenit um, did extremely well in in the in Europe last season. I think they got really really unlucky, finished level on points with Benfica, but were knocked out on head to head. Yeah, that was last season, and uh, Spartak have under Tedesco they've been on the rise, really. They've I watched uh, on YouTube one of the those full matches that he really streamed, and they look like a really coherent and tactically astute team. They they look hungry for for goals, and just they go out and try to play really, really. They try to win, basically. That's something that mm-hmm. I, watching watching Turkish football. That's not something I see very often. And I do think those are perhaps, in my opinion, the two biggest teams. I would have said Siska, but I'm not exactly sure about them. Haven't watched them in the league. Uh, I did a little bit of research so that they're second this season. That was yeah, they are. It. They are. Yeah, but in in Europe, they haven't exactly made any form of mark for. Quite a number of seasons. For a year. Since Golovin left, basically, they've done nothing since. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
think they've finished fourth in the Champions League every for the last three entrances they've made into the into the, the league. Yeah, of course the the thing that stands out is them honking us, but still finishing last. The, the Solari and Lopetegui years. And, uh, yeah. That was yeah, that was some time as Real Madrid fan, wasn't it? That was such levels of trauma have not been experienced. Stress. But exactly. It was just it's so strange that being a Real Madrid fan. Real Madrid, crazy club, of course. But you know what? Talking about Turkish football, right? Like the thing we say about Russian football is that, of course, there's a lot of big clubs in Russia and Turkey. You've got Galatasaray and uh, now Basaksehir. You've got Besiktas. You've got um, Fenerbahce. Do you? Is there? And we know that the league is chaotic, just like it is in Russia. So, is there still like a level of, of corruption, a level of incompetency at the very top at some of the big clubs? And then you have challengers, new challengers like Basak Sahir coming up. Like, where do you see Turkish football going? Because I feel like it's quite similar to Russian football in a lot of ways. I think... Um... Turkish football is in a bit of a weird place at the moment. There is quite a lot of corruption. There is uh, a lot of clubs struggling to kind of in a battle with the, between the fans and the, the boards and the presidents. And it does create this, this air of chaos at almost every big club, um, including Bashakshi here. Perhaps you could say they don't have fans, so they don't yeah. have anyone to battle the board. But even they, this season, they are struggling in the league and kind of goes in tandem with the level of chaos that's been going on. Clubs like Besiktas and Trabzonspor and Fenerbahce, mm-hmm. Galatasaray are struggling with, with just presidential issues, presidents beefing with the fans and financial issues playing back into the corruption. So Turkish football is... It's a bit of a it's in a bit of a swamp right now where you can't really it's hard to tell but prognostics are it's moving downwards. Right. The European performances are terrible. The clubs aren't really playing any inspiring football. Perhaps Bishita mm-hmm. are on the rise this season. Fenerbahce, Trabzonspor, Galatasaray, um, Bashakshe specifically. You can't really pick out any of them who any of them aren't, none of them are playing really good football on a week-to-week basis like they were perhaps for a huge spell over the past decade. Yeah, I mean, like, Turkish football is, is obviously a meme because of the transfers. Just the weirdest players ending up in the in the Turkish Super League. It's players you thought, you know, like FIFA 11-12, like Steven Cocker, Dembaba, Cisse, players like that, which, which, is, which is mad. Russian football obviously is, is pretty similar. We talk about it way too often, but I guess I guess the main thing is that Turkey have a, a lot, a really good national team, don't they? And a lot of good upcoming players, and Turkish players actually move abroad and like Russian players, which is I guess a big advantage. So yeah, it I is. Think, it is a. Yeah, um, I think a lot of scouts are turning their eyes to Turkish football now after the likes of Yusuf Yazic. Cengiz Undaya, Meri Demiral, Jala Soyuncu. I think those players kind of kind of helped bring more scouts to look at the Turkish league. Um, I think I was hoping Maranchuk would sort of do that for Alexei, would do that for 
for the Russian league because I do believe there are a lot of brilliant talent in the league. You, you know, you watch the, the streamed games on on YouTube yeah, and you see a lot of definitely yeah, a lot of even Russian and non. Artem, you know what? That that's the question I'm going to ask you. When do you think we're finally going to see Russian players move in good numbers abroad? Like four or five, let's say, every season, even if it's not to the big clubs, or just good RPL players properly moving abroad and being valued, and the RPL being held to a regard that's as high as like the Dutch league or something. When do you think that's going to happen? Well, I mean, there's a good few RPL players that move every uh, every transfer window. Um, like obviously maybe not as many as we'd like, but still like a decent amount, like five or six, I'd say. Um, but Russian players is a whole different story, and I think as long as we have the limit, there's no point in players who are below average leaving Russia. Um, and then as long as there's a lot of money in Russian football and a lot of stability and being, you know. I know obviously it's shaky at the moment, but stability and being top six, seven leagues, I don't think many players are going to want to leave. Like, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't see five, six Russian players leaving every year um, for, I don't know, like five, ten years minimum, to be honest. Really? I feel like, I think you're I think you're over, you're underestimating how how many five or six players is like five or six good players is half the national team. No, I don't even want. I, like I'm talking Salagov to Cagliari. That that's in my five or six. Okay, right. Well, in that case, not gonna happen. Like anytime soon, anyway. Because yeah, that's sad. Like I said, like I said, while the limits there, while average players and players below average are being treated, paid. Uh, and started as as much as players who are much better than them. There's no reason for them to go anywhere else. Okay, right. Like if if someone if someone said to you, right, like you could stay in the country you were born in, like lived your whole life where you know people, where you know family, where you know everything, and you're gonna get paid more. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be guaranteed more football. Or you can go to another country where you've never been before, where you don't know if you're gonna like the culture, the food, whatever, the weather. Like, but I mean, you're that's, potentially that's, leave your family for a few months. That's so pessimistic. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's no, like it, it's, no, it's true though. Like at the end of the day, like I know we we lo- we always love to see footballers as oh these guys who like don't have emotions or feelings or like they're no, very like footballers football, but like they're humans. Like at the end of the day, like it's a job for them. Humans move from place to place. Like I don't like money is the only factor. If you're a footballer, you want to look ahead, I guess. So if you're gonna stay at Sochi or say if you go to Cagliari and then you have a good chance of going to a bigger club, that's much better for your career. Eventually, you're gonna be paid well. well. I don't know. Hang on, hang on. Eventually, you can be paid well. What if you move to Cagliari, right? You take a ha- if you take a fifty percent wage cut, you get injured and you retire. Footballers' careers yeah, you are can't so think like that. Man. But are you telling me it doesn't pop into footballers' heads? Oh, of course it, it, it does. But I mean, sure. Look at Miranchuk. Like, look look at our man um, Golovin. I guess is not a great example because he hasn't played in centuries. But still, like, 
players are moving. That's they the no, but they they like okay. You're thinking about the players who are Naranchuk level, the players who are Golovin level, the players who are really good. I'm think I'm talking about the the example you just gave, Salagov. There's no reason for him to get the calorie. No reason whatsoever. Like at the end of the day, like for players like Salagov, right? I'm sure he loves what he does. I'm sure he's super passionate because every time I've watched him play, um, I have to say like Salagov is is a player I like. But at the end of the day, it's a job. Like, like for him, it's not like oh, like I could play for Cagliari. I could say that I played in the top five leagues. He probably not going to care about that as much as he he cares about an extra five thousand euro a week, which yeah. you know he could like. At the end of the day, football players, the reason they get paid so much is because their careers are so short. They need to make the money that they, they can make and, and and make that last. So, I like, I, I think that in Russia, when you're a player who's below average, there's absolutely no reason to leave. And if I was a Russian player, if I played in Russia right now, I am an, a below average Russian player. And tr- best believe I would be staying in Russia. I don't know. Patrick, what do you think? Of this entire argument, I uh, think um, yeah, five or six is perhaps a little too high. I think the best you could hope for is one or two. Um, even even in higher leagues like uh, say the Liga, you you don't see five six talents moving to to bigger leagues every season and. Perhaps you do hope that there are a number who can perhaps make that step. You watch them in your league and you think, oh yeah, he's perhaps ready to make that step. And then they either stay there or they move to perhaps to a bigger club in that league. Um, I think a few years ago, I there's a roster of player, Polos, I think, Dmitry Polos, where I watched him at Rostov a number of times and I thought he definitely could make that step up, definitely could go to to a Cagliari level club and yeah I think he went to Zenit I believe yeah thank you and every year you do see a number of players where you think okay yeah he could definitely you picture him definitely making that step up perhaps um to bigger leagues I think you have guys like Kokorin you have um even Chalov even Smolov Smolov yes. could be fair did, did come to and scored against us but I mean, yes. and Barcelona then went back and, to and Russia. And went back, just dipped, which was. So you do agree with the argument that players choose money. What would you choose? Let's say you know. Let's use Artem's example. Let's say you're like an average or a or a decent enough player, but you're not a world beater. You're not like one of the top five players in the league. Do you choose to stay at the club you are? Let's say it's like a a mid-table club, someone who's in like this seven to twelve zone, or you can move to a decent enough club that's in a top five league or like a a good club in like Belgium or, or but you're going to get paid less. What what do you choose? Do you choose to stay in Russia or do you choose to move abroad? Yeah, sad with Artem there where most players would choose to stay in Russia. There is that comfort and that you don't want that culture shock in another league and demands are high. You're still struggling to adjust to the life of the pitch and Demands are high for you to perform on the pitch. You have a price tag on your head and you need to meet it. You're struggling to adapt the language and the foreign tactics, the different level of 
level and style of play and yeah i don't think many players would choose that perhaps i could even use uh, the polos example where maybe that's the thing like even even if you think about it like purely from like a perspective of like i don't know how like maybe you're it probably is different in india because you know like a lot of indians want to like emigrate and stuff like that and uh like junior i don't know what the story is in in kenya but um you you might enlighten me but like for example like if, if there's people like i'm sure a lot of people in ireland have the skills to go over to the us or the uk and make a lot more money or like you know live more comfortably because like it's expensive to live here but like eat like for the most part they're just gonna be like nah i'm just gonna stay with what i know and like it's it's no different with footballers like and in fact it's probably even better for footballers because you're comparing in russia let's say you're making 10k a week let's just say 10k a week as conservative right you're making 10k a week as salaga right you're paying 13 percent tax which is super super low you're not paying that anywhere in europe and you're living in a country that's cheaper to live in where you can have more luxuries where you can have a better life or you can go to italy get taxed more earn way less like yeah but do you not learn a different language you live in a different country no, whatever listen, if you're a if you're a footballer with extremely high aspirations do you not think that i'm willing to take that shot let's look not, look 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 if you're a footballer with extremely high aspirations absolutely and i completely agree with you but the thing is not every footballer has extremely high aspirations in fact most footballers really high aspirations is to make it into your IPL. Do you get what I mean? Like, like it's it, it's already a massive league. Like, if you walked up to any footballer who plays in the RPL, you'd be like, "Whoa, that's cool! Like, that's like that's that's a like I respect him. It's like he's done a lot to get where he is." And it's like pushing yourself to that next level, but the amount of risk is just not worth the reward for a lot of players. That's all I'm saying. I mean that's I mean because look you know what annoys me more I guess you're I guess you are I can't disagree with that what annoys me more is that you see Dutch players like taking a step down going to a smaller league but if you're a Russian player you either go if you're a, a real anomaly and you go to the top five leagues or you go to yeah. Turkey or you go to Turkey but, like Kudrya look, look. like why are you going to Turkey like June or uh, Patrick because, what are the wages like in Turkey for like Antalya uh, or some some club like that. The big, the big, um, bigger name players obviously get paid more. The likes of Papi Sisin, examples that you use, Kolka. But I don't think someone like Kudryashov would be paid um, anything like what someone like Papi Sisi or Mbappé would be paid. Exactly. So it's like, but no, but the the reason he might go there is because, like, let's just say he's earning the same amount, like. Let's just say, like, right, 10K in Russia, 10K in Turkey. He might go to Turkey because he wants to have the sun for a year instead of living in the cold during winter. Genuinely, that could be a reason. Russians love going to Turkey. Like, like, Turkey is the destination for Russian people. See, that's every player goes to Turkey, though, from all over the world. Just like a random player, if you put some money on it, there's a chance they'll end up in Turkey at some point. Yeah, but, okay... But even then, like, you're, you're talking about how Dutch players sometimes go to worse leagues than Dutch league. But, like... In the in the Dutch league, they don't have the foreigner limit. When you have the foreigner limit, like we this is this is the main problem I have with it. And I think you you agree with me here is that yeah I do players who are shit who would have to go to other leagues otherwise 
who'd have to go to Belarus, who'd have to go to like, I don't know, like the Czech Republic or something. I'm not saying they're bad leagues, but they're not as good as the Russian league. Players who would have to go to those leagues no longer have to do that. They can just comfortably sit in Russia, pick up a really nice salary because of their passport. That's all that matters about them, their passport, and that's it. And that's why, like, that's why the, the foreign image just has to fuck off. Like, that's that's purely the reason. That's my biggest reason for that. And, but look, I'm not saying that. Just back back to this for a second about Russian players leaving. I'm not saying that the best Russian players shouldn't leave. I absolutely agree. If you're Miranchuk, either of them, if you're Smolov, if you're Duba, if you're Kokorin, if you're any of them, you need to be testing yourself, bro. You need to be going somewhere else because you've proven yourself in the league. Like, I'm just saying, exactly. And if you're if you're that good, you never amount to anything. Like Zagoyev didn't amount to anything. Kokorin didn't amount. No, he could have. had had massive in. He will like if he didn't have the injury problems he he had, he would have gone abroad. Like, I I genuinely believe it that like Zagoyev like a lot of those players like him like truly want to go, but the chance, the time, and whatever just didn't happen for them like it's not like it didn't happen for other players before like Ashavin was in the Premier League so was Pavlichenko, Zhirkov, Pogrebniak like we had we had four players in the in no we had five players in the league at some point Billy Aletinov was there as well and like Martin. he, was, no, he like, wasn't playing at the same time as all of them was he not okay my mind. No. anyway um yeah so like that that that's the thing. Like I I do think that some stars need to align, and obviously because of you know because they're Russian, and especially up until the, the World Cup, um, Russia was low fiftieth in the world rankings, which means that their players would have had to play I think ten games for the national team to get a work permit in the EU. Like th- a lot of things are super complicated. Is that like, a thing? So like it, what? Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Like if you want to play in the in the uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, in the Premier League, I don't think it's a, that bad in the EU, though. Because you see players from, like, all kinds of places go to the EU all the time. No, but I, I do I do think there is, there is I think it might be top. Like, I think it's top 100, though. For the UK, it's top 50. I know that for a fact. Yeah, um, I guess. I guess. I don't know. But, like, like those are, the, those are the sort of things, like... Like, logistically, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Like, l- look... Like I said, this is how I'm going to finish this off. I'm going to just repeat myself and say the top Russian players, the players who have proven themselves to be at a level, like at the top level of the league, players like, okay, even I'd say Chalov, right? But like, not even Russian players, Vlasic, like, Mario Fernandez. But those those kind of players, they should be testing themselves because they've proven themselves to be like, you know, top 10, top 15, top 10, 20 players in the league. Anyone below that. I have absolutely no like expectation for you to go abroad, and I can completely understand why you want to stay in Russia. Like that—that's the thing. It's just that's just that's just my. Opinion it's the passport it. argument again, isn't it? Right. And okay, okay, right. Here's a question: Who do you think is the most likely Russian player now to go abroad? From Russia, who's playing in in the Russian league? Yes. Hmm. That's put me on the spot. I think um, Ant- Anton Miranchuk is likely to go abroad because I think that he, uh, I think that if Alexei does well, um, I think that um, yeah. Anton will, will think like 
right well look my brother's still out there doing his thing um like why not test myself i think he's definitely one one of the players um i think that I think that there's a lot of players who who have aspirations of going abroad, um, a lot of the young players. But I I I just like I don't know out of out of them who will go. Like I'm just gonna say Anton Marinchuk. Who do you think? I had agree with that brother argument as well. But I think Shappy is one of few of these guys could end up venturing abroad soon. Yeah, I th- I think that's definitely a that's that's definitely a, an option. I I'd, I'd love to see Safonov abroad. I'd love to see Shappy abroad. Shappy probably more likely to go abroad than Safonov, especially like we keep coming back to the limit. But while there's a limit, Russian clubs are not going to want to buy foreign goalkeepers. And if there's a Russian goalkeeper who's at a level of a good foreign goalkeeper, you best believe he's going to be worth a lot of money. So, hey, you does he, hey, Patrick, this is a really weird question. Do you know if Ukraine has a foreigner limit? No, I. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they I mean, do. Huh? I I think they do. Serbia definitely has a foreigner limit. So do Cro. Serbia. I don't know about Croatia. Serbia does. Look at Serbian players, man. You can't compare Russia and Serbia. Why? Because there's not as much money in Serbian football. The Serbian league is so okay, much yeah, lower in standard than the Russian that league. Is, yeah. Okay, that's right. So that's like, right. It, once 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 you get like once you get to like a good level in Serbia, like you need to get the fuck out of there. Um, and you know what? I think thing with Serbia. I think I think one of the things that's holding Russian footballers from going abroad as well, on top of the limit, is the fact that they're the sixth best league. I've said this before on the podcast that because they're the sixth best league, it's like, yeah, like I could go higher, but there's not that much higher I can go. Like, why not just be good here? That's why. But you know what? My my whole disappointment stems from the fact that like this past weekend you had, um. Cherisha was the captain of Valencia. Uh, Miranchuk got some minutes. There were two Russian guys at Levante who got time in the Copa del Rey. Kritsyuk, our man, played in Portugal. So it's just nice to see Russian players there. And that's just what I want to see. That's what I want to normalize. And I hope that starts to happen. But one player who I feel like is, is a shining light and a good example for players in the RPL is our man Eldor Patrick. How do you, how do you think he's done for Genoa? And... You know, I was so excited when he went there. Um, I didn't know how bad Genoa... Because I watch every Genoa game now because of him. And they are, a hor- they are a horrible, horrible football team. They are terrible. Like, but how do you think... They are atrocious. How do you think he has done? Because I think he's settled in really well. He's got a goal. He's got an assist. He, he, start, he started to gel. And I think he will be important for them. How do you think he's done? I think he's done fairly well. My expectations for him were one goal um, all season, so I think he's already met that. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He works really, really hard. He, I think he knows the situation at the club. He knows the kind of club that he's playing for. Knows he won't get a lot of the kind of service that he like he's expecting or the kind of service he was getting perhaps in Rostov. And he's not facing the same defenders he was facing in Russia, but he still, you know, he puts his head down, works really hard, tries to put himself about, tries to carry the defenders. And um, yeah, I've been impressed. I've 
he settled in quite well. He, I think he had the shot that led to the goal. Yeah. That Destro's first goal against Milan. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he is. He is someone that some players can look at and think, perhaps maybe I could translate my my skill set to another league. Um, we talked about Sobolev a while back. I think it was two yeah. three months ago, and I could see someone like Sobolev moving to France, for example, to the Liga, to like um, Neem level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't think that's a really interesting well. shout, actually. I think that's a that's a good one. Yeah. It, um, I mean, yeah. Only Kim could easily translate his skill set from what he has now to um, like the French league. Um, he can serve as a target man. He can try to improve, and even as he improves, he will give more to the to the national team and. Again, serve as an example for more players that they can, if they want to, that is, if they can move to those five, I think the five leagues that are above that are above Russia. Yeah. I mean, I just Shomorodov is like a really inspiring figure because he's, it's in a, in a, in a, like a, an average circumstance, like Artem said, where you're at a very comfortable spot in the Russian Premier League. You're at a club which is in Europe. You're their star striker. You're scoring goals. You're getting great service. The stadiums are better. You're getting paid more. And yet you choose to drop down to a club that's barely surviving in Serie A just for the experience, just to see how well you can test yourself. And that, that's, I think, commendable. And I hope, you know, I wish him all the best. That's there. like that's absolutely commendable. I'm just saying. 99% yeah, it's, it's 99%. of players don't do yeah, that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, but is Austin Urunov 19 years of age, Artem, or not? Doesn't look like he is, um, but you know, like I, I, I believe him. You know, I won't make him do any bone tests or anything like that. He's like 90. you see, you see the picture of when he signed for Spartak. See that one in like the middle of the screen right now. This one. No, the one in the down. In the middle this of the one. screen. Oh, you're such a dumb. Like <laughs> which one? Look, no, no, hang on, hang on. One? Which one is in the middle of the screen? The very middle of the screen. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like he looks in, in that, you can, yeah, he looks he looks young in that. Like he's just really hairy. But like <laughs> exactly, that's it. That's it. That's it. He's just who the hell is this guy? That that's, that's not Australia. You but, know what uh, though? What? You know what though? Like if he just like went and got a trim of those eyebrows, it would change everything. It would change his career potentially. He might move to the Premier League after. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's distinctive. I think like that. That's like his. Like Peter Crouch is known for being eight foot tall. He's going to be known for having his unibrow. He looks like a caveman. So he can be if he's good at football. It doesn't really matter though, does it? And he is good at football. Just justice for him, man. He just doesn't. No, he's get... he's a great player. But like, see, um, hang on. Like, see the photo that's like at the top row, five in. Like, even like that's a better look. He looks sixteen in this one. But like, you can tell like his unibrow isn't as like mad, and his his beard isn't as a uh, like he doesn't have one in that. 
I just look. I just think that he needs to, he needs to have a shave in a couple of places. Like that's 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 all. Patrick, what do you think? Hey, um, that mono brow does it does him no favors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an understatement. <laughs> I mean, no, nah, I feel like you're hating, but I mean. Like one, you know what? One day he's gonna cut it off, and we're gonna come back and say, "Now nah, why did you do?" This? It's gonna look even weirder. No, no, it won't. It won't. Like Hanu, like, like, do you know anyone with a unibrow? See, I don't know anyone personally, but I've seen people with unibrow, like school and stuff. Yeah, like, do you not just like, like, just shave a pro? It's very tempting, isn't it? Because it's just a cut down the middle. That's all that has to be. It's just exactly. like this. this it's, like, it's 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 not big thing. Just you have to do it every couple, like two weeks or something. Every two weeks, just give yourself a little slit. That's it. That's all. Urunov, get get your unibrow cut if you're listening, and I know you are. I'll, I will pay for it. Get in touch with the <laughs> podcast. I will send you to any hairdresser you want in Moscow. I will get it. I'll pay them to cut your unibrow for you. Sponsored you're, wel- by- you're welcome in advance. <laughs> Sponsored by whatever this is. But so he he by the way we're discussing this because Sergey Uran was a manager came out and said that uh, Urunov is three or four years older than he looks and that's just because how it is in Uzbekistan which is a very dodgy statement. Well, if he's um, three or four years older than he looks, he's seventy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. This is a very dodgy statement. I don't know why why Russian football managers love to just say stuff out of the blue. Um, we have a we have other couple of quick bit quick bit 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 before we get to a big topic that I've thought of. Artem, Quincy Promise has been arrested. What are your thoughts? Spartak are going to re-sign him. Honestly, respect him and Kakarin attacking defenses. Beautiful. He's beautiful sign. <laughs> like you know what? Like I I. <laughs> Look, I highly rate Spartak say, you know, whoever, where, wherever this transfer rumor come from, I rate it because, you know, Spartak sold him on a high, going to buy him back for a low. He's still the same player, right? You know, might be sure. more of a questionable person, but like football wise could be good. Patrick, what is your opinion on, on uh, Quincy Promise spending four years in jail and then coming back to Spartak? I promise actually has a bit of a dodgy off the pitch record I think a lot of hearsay a lot of rumours but I think in 2018 he was charged for domestic violence or something was he? yeah oh wow yeah so I think it was in, in Seville at the time so, yeah, I think, like Archim said, he's still very much the same player. Um, watch his highlights at Spartak. He, the things he did there are the things he still tries to do today. Things he tried to do in Spain and kind of failed terribly. And <laughs> so he's still very much the Quincy Promise that was at Spartak. Hanu, didn't he get like, like, a couple of he he has a criminal record for arson or something like that. I I just listen. All I know about Quincy Promises off the pitch life is that he has a freestyle with Memphis Depay, 
and it is one of the hardest that's exactly that, that's one of the that, hardest songs i've heard in my life that's exactly what he's he has his credible record for arson for <laughs> oh come on <laughs> That was good. You start the studio on fire. Yay. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> Insert the Thomas Muller meme over here. But, uh, nah, that 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 that's uh that song is super hard. Go that was ahead. that was a 4D chess move. Tell was, me not. It was it was a good move. It was a good move. <laughs> say that. Uh, by the way, he he is a Spartak legend, right? No one's going to debate that with me, right? Nah. Right. Okay. Good. He is a legend. Yeah. All right. He is. Good. Because people, I don't know, man. I mean, you never know who starts debating. Because I, I think Ahmed Musa is a legend. And uh, yeah, no, that's where I feel like Musa is close, but he's not there. I mean, I think he is, and he's still only 29, which 28 or something, which we we talk about every week, but it's still every time I think about it, it's a bit mad. He gets younger uh, single time. He was 31 last week. <laughs> I mean. Patrick was shocked that when he found out that Musa was 28. So this is a common theme over here. Uh, other quick stuff we have. Krasnodar got drawn with Dinamo Zagreb. What are your quick thoughts on that in the Europa League round 32? Love it. Absolutely love it. I think Krasnodar have a real good chance of, uh, of going through. And I'm going to say that they're going to win um, over the course of two legs. I uh, don't know exactly how, but I see them going through to the next round, around the 16. If they don't, it'll be very sad. It'll be a failure, I think. It will be super sad, but at the same time, they still did better than any Russian club. Like, you know, like a couple of... Uh, a month ago or something, we were saying about how Krasnodar are having a bad season. Now they're yeah. only three points yeah. off the top four. They've turned now it they're only... Like, now they're past everyone else in Europe. Now they're actually having a pretty good season. So um, my, my I'm delighted for Musayev, and I hope that they keep going that way, because I want you to owe me money. Yeah, exactly. My five euro are gone. Uh, sad. And Akmat are gone as well. I mean, I, it was good. I bandwagoned for two weeks. Now they're just... It fell off. Look at that. I started bandwagoning. They haven't won in five games. But do you think that this is maybe due to... Your, exactly. You starting hype. Like, I, I, like, I've never believed in... like I, I've never been a really super superstitious person. But like... Hanu, like, how do you keep? I don't know. How do you keep doing this? No, honestly, but I have a, I have a cop out. I have a real answer. I know why Akmat have just fell off. Cool. Uh, it's, it's because the U.S. Treasury sanctioned them. Uh, Patrick, did you know this? No, the, 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 the United States Treasury Department literally put out a press release sanctioning a bunch of people related to the leader of Chechnya. And Ahmad Grozny, the football club, is one of them because it's owned by the leader of Chechnya. What do you think of this, Patrick? I was in way of that. Um, it's pretty crazy. The Chechen guy was with Salah back in 2018, isn't it? Yes, they yeah. gave, gave him honorary citizenship. Yeah, yeah you know, like, um, he's, like, a, he's a pretty dodgy guy. Like, Yeah, last I checked, ask, um, I think it was a month ago, Ahmad was doing really well they won the up and up and uh, now they've completely just bottled yeah there's a guy usually try to scout at Ahmad um, Wilker Angel yeah he's uh, this time I had a bit of interest in the Venezuelans the two Venezuelans the only two Venezuelans in that league um, Angel and 
Ponce was only scoring penalties last season. Only has yeah, one he... goal this season. Wait, was, so, was, was Angel not there at the same time as Ronda at some point? Probably was. That's the, that's the thing with, I mean, I know Rondon was a uh, Zenit, but like Anze and Akma just have such good scouting networks. They just sign the most random players and they turn out to be good. That's why I love those two clubs. It's like, it's much better than Ural, man. Honestly, like Ural just keeps signing deadbeats from, they just keep signing the same six players, these players that are on, available on loan. That's why I love Akma from them. You're such a hipster. Listen, if I have the choice of supporting Ural and being a hipster, I'm a hipster for sure. I don't, I don't care what you say. Um, I do know actually Ahmad are probably the least hipster club. Depends on what. Who's the most hipster club in the league? The most hipster club in the league. I think with Tedesco, it has to be Spartak, but like Spartak aren't a hipster club. Might be Dynamo. No, no, it's it's Krasnodar. I'm sorry, it is. It's a very obvious answer. Krasnodar, yeah, yeah. Very that, that, that actually is the obvious answer. I don't know why we didn't go there quicker. Exactly. Who, who's the most hipster club in Turkey? Yeah, go on. Right. I think a month, two months ago, I listened to both um, this and Arafan and Krasnodar were in, in deep shit, I think. They were. Yeah. Um, they were struggling both. It, it didn't see them as struggling so much in Europe. I think they were playing well and on occasions and being rather unlucky. Um, my predictions for Krasnodar were that they would finish with zero points back in August. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had really high hopes on Stad Ren. And then I think Krasnodar and Ren kind of swapped seasons in a way where Ren just started mm-hmm. doing really poorly and they went just became Really good. Um, watching Krasnodar versus Ren, even on every Ren attack, I didn't feel like they would they would score. I didn't feel like they would threaten Krasnodar, who looked relatively solid. And then I see the Russian high, highlights and they beat Tedesco. Yeah, five I mean, nil, not, sorry, they beat local five nil and. I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of. it, it was their first season in in the Champions League, right? So no one really had any expectations from them, and everyone sort of knew that it was going to be a straight shootout between them and Ren, and they ended up winning, which is big for them. Uh, so I guess fair fair play to them. Honestly, I think I think they are easily the most hipster club as well because they have you know youth academy, and it seems like everyone over there loves XG and stuff. So. Fair play to them. Uh, now, I'm going to come to my discussion topic, right? Now, on Football Twitter, Artem, I know you're not on there, but but still, there's been this, or even on like regular Twitter, there's been a huge discussion over like the past week or so about football falling off. Uh, some people say that football has fallen off in the time of reference. They use that football is worse than it used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I wouldn't know. Uh, but what I, I think that football definitely has fallen off in the past, I'm going to say 20, since like 2018, 19 or 17, 18, I think football has fallen off. As in, at that time, you used to have like six or seven really good teams in Europe that were competing for the Champions League. Now it's more a question of who's worse, the, like the least worst team. 
and Liverpool and Bayern are probably like the only good teams in football right now, really good teams. What do you think of that? Do you think football has fallen off, Artem? Well, to be honest, I think that um, like the quality of football is probably higher now than it was 10 years ago, but it's not as entertaining. Like That's just purely uh, my opinion. Um, it's not even so much to do with the style of play or anything. It's just, I don't know. Like I think a lot of people who are saying it's fallen off, like we're, we're all just getting old. That's just how it is, you know. Like no, you, you, you always love to talk about things like, oh, I remember those days when Zidane and Ronaldinho were playing, and that was just so much fun. And like you know, you you, you tend to think about all the good times, um, and never really about the bad times. Like for example, I, I what I, what I'd compare it to is, have you ever watched a movie when you were a kid and you were like, this is the best movie ever, and then watched it again like ten years later, and it's terrible. Yeah, Yeah, so like <laughs> it's sort of like that. Like I, I just feel like people are looking back at it, and like I feel like if we went back and watched football matches from like 2008, 2007, 2006, 2005, you'd see that the quality isn't the same quality as as it is now. Might be more entertaining, but well, I think I think the- I mean I feel like you're going ten years back. I'm only going two years back. I feel like football isn't as entertaining for sure, right? Or you know what, Patrick, what's your thoughts on the matter, first of all? What do you think? Do you think football has fallen off? Because I think you don't from your tweets, but what do you think? I am a bit conflicted. Um, I don't think it's fallen off. I think the gap between the bigger teams and the smaller teams has kind of reduced a bit. Um, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a lot of money going into some of these leagues, a lot of money going into teams which in the past couldn't afford to buy the players that clubs today can afford to buy the gap between a club like um, Celta and Barcelona isn't what it was 10, 15 years ago where Barca could go to to travel to Celta with really good players and just roll over Celta and those were the clips, those are the clips that are being passed around right now, those are the clips that we're seeing, the really good memories where a team with a lot of class and a lot of money could just steamroll past a team that didn't have the quality. So as the gulf in quality reduces, teams can't play with the same level of flair. They can't play with the same level of that attractiveness that they had when, which is kind of what our nostalgia is. Is um is filling our heads with with remembering really fun times, really good moments. Um, we're seeing clips of Bergkamp, Henri, um, Ronaldinho, and uh, dancing, just dancing past nameless defenders, Kaká in in the Champions League, and perhaps maybe they can't do that today, not because football yeah. has fallen off, the level of the players that they're facing is higher. Yeah, is, I think. I do definitely agree with you saying that the gap, because you're starting to see like new challengers like Lille and, you know, Milan aren't exactly new challengers, but they've sort of come back up. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig is a great example. In Spain, you're seeing Sociedad and, and, and such clubs. And like the really big clubs, I think, just got too comfortable. 
like Barcelona and them and United and Arsenal and all of those clubs. And I think we're at, we're just at a point right now where the greatest clubs in the world aren't as great as they used to be. And the clubs that are coming up aren't exactly at a point where they're willing, like they can compete for the Champions League on a regular basis and they can become the elite. So we're in like a really weird middle ground. I don't know, I guess. Artem, what do you think? Like, do you agree with Patrick's thing that gap has become lesser or do you think do you purely think it's just nostalgia no like I, I do i do agree like like i said i think that the quality of football now is higher than than it was before and i think that like that's the reason for the gap really finishing because like you know even smaller clubs now are, are really looking into stats and like they're really look like i i'm i'm, I'm super against like xg and stuff like that but there are some stats that can help you and I think that there, like a lot of clubs are hiring ex- experts to make their players better, and like there's a huge amount of analysis going into the game. And I think that's that's partly to do with uh, with with that uh, less of a gap. Whereas like you know, 10, 15 years ago, you might not have seen the like mid-table teams or lower teams really even do that because they just kind of accepted that they, uh, you know, it's just a day out to play against Barcelona. Like you're not expected to get any points. That's where I think I can't, I can't disagree with any of that. I just get nostalgic like, looking at like two years ago, Lucas Vasquez just spamming crosses to Ronaldo and us winning the Champions League and, and Gareth Bale scoring. That like that, that, that. Well, see, you're looking at it from a Real Madrid point of view. Exactly, That's, I am looking that... at it from because what I think the glory days for me, I guess, were pretty recent. Like when we won three Champions Leagues in a row, and at that yeah. point we were taking on. One season, we took on PSG in the round of 16, Bayern in the quarterfinals, Juventus in the semifinals, and Liverpool in the finals. And all of those teams were amazing. But right now, we can't get past Ajax. We can't... Uh, like, there's not... I just feel like there's not as many great teams anymore. And I feel how like... Do you, feels- how do you feel about the fact that, like, you have no idea when you're going to have a player as good as Ronaldo? Or if it's ever even going to happen? I don't feel. I don't know, Patrick. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I kick it into touch. Yes, Patrick. It's, how how do you feel? It's it's half depressing, half you know, a bit worrying, and I think it is. There's a sense of encouragement in it, where you feel like now is the time where I think we have to come together as a collective, all. 11 players on the pitch have to kind of contribute what we would get from from a few players. Now, the team has to kind of work together and they have to be closer and they have to even actually need good players for such a thing to work. And yeah, it is half depressing because it kind of hits you that, yeah, we don't have a 50 goal a season machine up front anymore but it does kind of force you to to know that your team yeah. needs to tighter together to be to be better as a team honestly Artem you've made me sad with that question because I haven't considered it since he left right like I've not it's been two years and I've, I've not like really thought about that has it been two years or did he leave last year Oh, it's, it's two, years. Been two years. Two years, right? When he left out of 2018 final, right? Jesus Christ, it's been two years already. I feel like we can still 
and I'm gonna we're gonna lose to Atlanta now that I've said it, but with a few reinforcements, I don't think there's any reason that we can't win the Champions League again. But and I do think we will have players that well, no one will quite ever have the same impact that he did, but I feel like we will have players that will somehow take over. So I mean, I guess it's just remains to be seen how it goes. But uh, thanks for depressing me with that question, though. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. You're for... you're absolutely welcome. That's what I'm here to do. Nah, see now 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 we're gonna go into the mailbag section, and, and now you've just made me sad. Uh, who right? So mailbag section. This is probably like our, our last last bit. because uh, thanks a lot, guys. Anyway, for sending this uh, these questions, we're gonna probably. Over the winter break, there's not really much to talk about. So this is just the, the stuff that, you know, uh, more interaction with you guys, more guests on. Um, a couple of questions were quite similar. Um, Artem Goncharenko, uh, three questions we have about Goncharenko. Is he was heavily rumored to be just leaving CSK, regardless of what happened in this Rostov game. And now they're saying that he could stay. Do you think Goncharenko deserves to leave? And uh, who do you think deserves to be sacked more, Semak or Gonchenko? Check the table. Um, check the table. Is, is, are, are people really trying to say that the teams at the top of the league, both of their managers should be sacked? Like is, is, is that serious? Look, don't get me wrong, I can see where some frustration would lie, but like, imagine yourself as the board of those two teams. Is sacking really going through your head? No. I think it. Absolutely. I it, think it would consider it. Think, no, I don't think so. I think like Zenit, I can understand slightly, but only due to Europe. CSK, exactly. probably the only the only other reason too. But like, no, I don't think so. I think like honestly, I think both managers should be left until the end of the season at this point. Like, if you want to change managers, then like. Imagine sacking people mid-season when they're doing that well in the league. Like that's that's the only thing I'd I'd, I'd say. Like, um, yeah, that, that that's mean, pretty that's pretty much my it's opinion. Fair, of course, it's, it's you can't can't you know do that. Like if if you say if you're saying like I don't know like the 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 managers lost the the, the dressing room or like he doesn't want to be there anymore. Different story, but like. I don't know how, how much that's the case. Like, I See, don't look, think that I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you what hap- what's going to happen. Okay, Zenit, Zenit are going to win the league against CSK are probably going to finish second or third, and then they're going to qualify right. for Europe. Then we're going to yeah. see the same cycle repeat itself all over again. And there's never going to be any progress unless like a manager just leaves on his own volition. Like, well, I mean, don't know if I necessarily agree with you. There's like. You say there's not going to be any improvement. I, I find it difficult to believe that there's not going to be any improvement on this season because this season's been just that bad. But, like, I don't know. Like, uh, I think the boat managers should be left to... Yeah, as, long, as long as they want to be there until the end of the season. That's just my opinion. Like, I I just... It's a, it's a super, super big risk to sack a manager when he's coming first or second at the table. That's that's the only thing I'm saying. It's because you bring in another ma- manager, it could unsettle some players. Like the tactics could go wrong, and suddenly you're not first or second, you're third or fourth. 
And you know what that means this season? That means no Champions League. Like, yeah, you gotta stick with you gotta stick with these managers. That's just my 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 own opinion. Yeah, I think it's it's a bit too late to sack them. I think you're right. I think if you had sacked them right after Zenit went on that bad streak, would have made sense. CSK went yeah, on that or like bad streak. even even if you looked at them from Europe and said like, okay, we really need like a new manager tick in Europe. Like you know those couple of games yeah, where like yeah, yeah. results just go your way. If you really wanted to do that because of their European performances, you do that while you're still in Europe. You don't do that now. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that one. I mean, Clive, uh, I'm to concede that argument. Um, next one is this. I'll take this one. New coach for Kazakhstan's national team after Bilek's contract was mutually terminated. I hope he goes well. The new coach that Kazakhstan have got. It's a local guy. Um, Kazakhstan football is, is, is in a... Uh, Who is it? I don't know his name, but it's a local, like... Uh, it's got a very typical Kazakh name, but he's like... Um, Managed a couple of times in the league. Because the, the, the logic behind that is that we know Kazakhstan are not going to get to the Euros. Okay. And because of how bad they have France, Ukraine, all of that in their group. And we know that there's no Nations League. So instead of like splurging out on a manager... Do, do, can, do you mean the World Cup, not the Euros, right? Yeah, World Cup. Um, so we're going to like give a youngish manager a bit of a chance or manager, you know, to see what he can do with the players. Instead of just spending a lot of money on like a foreign manager because of how finances are over there. Uh, so that's the logic behind that. I hope it goes well. Kazakh football, I love it. Uh, I like big up Kazakhstan. Yeah, big up Kazakhstan for sure. Um, next one, Patrick will go, go to you on this one. Uh, the Russian league would have been a top five league if it had stayed merged with other former Soviet nations. Now he says Ukraine only. But I feel like if we take all Soviet nations, do you agree with this or do you think the league would have just been too big and too unruly? To First, we'd have 20 teams yeah, instead probably. of the uh, 16 that we have now. And yeah, I think knowing the stuff that goes on in the, in the back room of a lot of these uh, Soviet clubs, uh, I think it would be a mess. There would be a shitload of corruption in that one Super League. There would be... It would be just... A, yeah. It would be a mess, honestly. Yeah, probably. Would it be a top five? I am... I think the level of competition would kind of drive it to... It's and it's oh it would either drive it to be really good the level of competition where you have a lot of top teams constantly competing. You have Shakhtar, Dynamo Kiev. You have there are current Russian clubs. Don't think yeah. any from the other Soviet leagues would cause an issue. Perhaps Astana maybe. Yeah, I mean I feel like you would have 20 big clubs in the league for sure from all over the union and it would be commercially very attractive because it's like a proper super league but i i would love to see it happen just for bands why not but i don't know artem what do you think how would that go down i would honestly be so sick like i was thinking about this yesterday i was like oh that'd be super super cool obviously politically it would be a a bit of a yikes yeah um, yeah. uh, assuming that like politics is out of the question 
Um, I think absolutely it would be a top five league and I think it would be super attractive for players moving as well. Because, you know, like a lot of players might not want to move to um, like even like a Rostov or something like that, but they might want to move to Kiev, you know. They might exactly. want to move to, 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 to places like that. So I think it would be super interesting. It would be absolutely amazing. It would give even cooler away days than there are now. Um, and I think like every like culturally everything like it would just be it would be so sick. Like if you had a little mini Champions League during the winter break, oh my god, for all those countries that would be sick. That would be sick. I want to see it happen. I even like there were talks of like uh, Belarus merging with Russia as a whole. <laughs> that would be <laughs> as a country out. That would be a, a fun to see to see how Bate Borisov and them would do in Russia. Where it would be fun. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like we know, it's it's um, politics will not allow it at the moment. But maybe in the future, if if Russia and Ukraine can uh, can can, can mend their fr- friendship, like I I like look, like for me, like I have so many Ukrainian friends, and like both me and them and everyone else, like we're just a bit sick sick of politics and all that kind of stuff. Like for Russian sure. people and Ukrainian people are brothers, always will be. Um, sure. It's the it's the politics that drives these countries apart. So, for sure. um, hopefully in the future that'll change. Um, but obviously I don't think that the league will happen either way. Now you just you just put some proper facts about politics there, and I love it because that's the same with India and Pakistan. Like it's the same country. You know, we know you like literally broke apart 70 years ago, but at its core you're the same people. You were together for mad long. Even abroad, like in the UK or stuff, Indians and Pakistanis are friends. It's just in the country that's themselves. The, that's that the thing. Just... Like people, like Indians and Pakistanis, like say in Ireland or like the UK or something, they'd be like, "Oh, like like you're from the same part of the world as me." Yeah, exactly. Rather than a "fuck you," like exactly. It's just it's you know sad. how it goes. To, to be honest, like I'm of the opinion of like you know at the at the end of the day, like we're all kind. Like of course, yeah, Ukrainians and Russians are closer, like brothers than. Then Russians would be the Germans or something like that. But like yeah, we are all the they, same. They, they, we're, we're all people. We're exactly. all, you know. We're all. Um, Patrick, do you think we're all people? <laughs> um. Yeah, I for, think. I think I talked about this um, in my private with you recently, where I don't see that. That ultra, it's super ultra nationalist. I am yeah. this, and thus I'm better than someone who is across that arbitrary line called a border that was drawn sent decades ago. And yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, we're all we're all you know all the human. same exactly. Uh, yeah, like even for like Patrick, this is just an, another thing. Like I've noticed, like. You know, like it's the same. It's the same way. Like as in, like you know, people from I don't know. Does Kenya hate any country? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a bit of an underlying conflict with mostly political with uh, East African neighbors, Somalia, Uganda, and Tanzania. But oh, Somalia is a, so, a whole different animal. But even then, <laughs> <laughs> even even then. 
Um, no, I'm only joking. I love I love the Somalis. Um, he, like like you said, it's just borders. It's just like you know these people that rule on this side of the border, and the people who who live there tend to believe them, whether that's for their own will or just they don't know any better. You know. It really is. It's just wait. Stop all beef, man. Just, just stop beefing. Just, just be friends. Everyone just be friends. That's the that's the knowledge we've kicked on this week's episode. Well, uh, you you can beef people for what like, oh, like you're you're a real fan. I'm a Barca fan. That kind of shit. Exactly. Ship. Exactly. But you can't kill yeah. each other over being a Real or Barca fan, which is, to be fair, it's essentially. The, you know, the same argument we're talking about. Going back to football, because this is a football podcast and we're almost 90 minutes in. Artem, are oh, there shit. too many are there too many Moscow region clubs? No. Why not? Because Moscow is the biggest city in Europe. How many is clubs it? do you expect there to be? Is it? Yes. I'll take your word for it. No, but like London has a lot of clubs and we roll with it, so I don't how know. How many how many what's the population of London? London probably I don't know a lot but I mean 8 million or 9 million I feel like is 12 million wow I didn't know that yeah um, no, that's the thing Moscow's huge like it is I, w- I would be mad if like 9 clubs in the RPL are from Moscow but I don't mind like a lot of clubs and they're scattered across the PFL and RPL and FNL I don't mind that and no like that's, that's the thing, like, like M- Moscow has, like, 10% of the population of Russia, like, realistically, they have 10% of the clubs in Russia, it's just, they, their it clubs is. just tend to be better, that's not their, it's not their yeah. fault, it's not their plus, fault. it's a cool city, who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to be in Moscow, I love Moscow. Of course, I love Moscow as well, I've only been there once, but I want to go back. Um, I'll meet you there. It's probably halfway between me and you, to be honest. Eh, actually, it's probably further, from, it's much, much further from you. Much, much, uh, like, what's what's uh, the midway between me and you? Would you say? It could actually be Mongolia. I think it could. I'm looking it up. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, Mahmoud, big fan of ours, by the way, Mahmoud. Shout out, Mahmoud. Mahmoud. Um, what do you think of the RPL expanding to 18 clubs, Artem? Uh, I'm not a fan of it to be honest. Uh, I I am of the opinion that there is a uh, already maybe two clubs that Are never have a chance of staying up. Now this season we thought that there was two clubs that never had a chance of staying up, and now they actually have a good chance of staying up. So yeah. I think 16 teams is a is a good amount. It gives us 30 games of the season. It's a nice round figure. Um, honestly, like there's not much more to say about that. I think that 18 would yeah, no, be fair. too many. I, I like the fact that there's always like one of the bigger clubs in the FNL. Like at the moment, we have Orenberg, we have Curtis okay. Avetto down there. Like next season, undoubtedly, like we'll we'll have some like Ufa or Tambov or one of them teams. It's like or Arsenal Tola even. It's like mm-hmm. oh shit, like they're 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 down there. Like who do they who are they gonna replace when they come back up and things like that? So that's true. That is that's pretty fair. Um, now, Ilya, of course, big fan of ours, he's asked a question of what the best samosa filling is. Artem, you know what a samosa is. I'm sure you do. Oh, uh, I got given one for free at a at college fair one time. It was just beautiful. Like It was, wasn't it? So, so nice. Like I, But I don't know what the fillings are. I don't know what the options even are. Nah, see, Patrick, do you know what a samosa is? Yeah. You do, right? 
Yeah. What's the best samosa filling you think? Do you like it? Uh, spicy beef. Spicy. Now he's. I'm vegetarian, so <laughs> I mean, but spicy beef is his answer. And by the way, Artem, there's lots of Indians in Kenya, so that's probably how that crossover happened. There's lots of Indians everywhere, honestly. Okay, Hanu. Uh, what? I've looked it up. Um, do you want to take a quick guess about where the midpoint for me and you is? I actually, I don't know, I don't know how, like, how this even exists because, like, it just seems like I'm way further away from there. But I think it's just because of, you know, the way their maps are distorted and stuff like that. Anyway, take a guess. I think you're gonna be super happy with this. I think. See, the way you said that makes me sound like it's in the stands or something. Because that's only where I'd be super happy. Eh, is it in the... I feel like it's in Saudi Arabia or something. I don't know. No, no. It's in the stands. Oh, and it's in Kazakhstan. It's, it's not in Kazakhstan. It's in Uzbekistan then. It's in Uzbekistan. But can I tell you, like, it's it's like so close to the border of so many places. Like, it's it's almost oh, like it's, on the border of Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. Oh, it's in that little gang Yeah, it's in that little there. pocket. It's a place called... Um, Yangier uh, in we're Uzbekistan. Going, we're, we're going there. Yeah, as, as there's as actually as there's a there's a the thing I'm using is called Travel Map, and it's like it gives you the the halfway points between two places, and then it searches you hotels for those places just in case you want to meet up. So let's let's do that for you and Patrick. Where I'll meet you it? there. Yeah. <laughs> this one. Uh, travelmap.com. M A T H like. Oh. That one. I think so, you and Patrick could be a cooler one because he was like yours is probably in the sea somewhere, so they're gonna have to choose a country. Um, whereas me and Patrick, it's probably just like Algeria or something. Or which one do I choose? Or just do I just put? Oh, two it doesn't matter. Just name two places. Kenya to. By the way, I hate America. I really do hate America because, um, like every. Every city in the world, there's a knockoff in like Ohio or Idaho. Oh, I know. There's a, there's a. Odessa, Odessa Texas. Yeah, yeah there's I mean, like a, Moscow all over the place. And... Exactly. Where, where is the midway point? Do, is it, do I click this? Yeah, view map. See what happens. Close enough. Yeah, it's, Libya. It's in Libya. I don't you know, know what? You know what? I'll go Libya. I have a few Libyan friends. We'll meet in Tripoli. Meet in Tripoli. I don't even know if you're allowed to go there anymore. But um, no, I don't think so. I think that there's a big uh, few few problems over there since yeah. uh, since the big man died. <laughs> this is basically a geopolitics podcast at this point, but it's the most uninformed and most casual geopolitics possible like we talked about, <laughs> we talked about imagine me and you talking about like actual like serious like like political things like fucking trump kills like uh husseini back in uh back in january 2020 and me and you're just like that was not cool that was not cool <laughs> exactly in this vibe of course if we seriously want to be good but in this vibe we're like Big man, you know, like Ramzan Kadyrov as well is like a yeah, chief, chief down there. You know, he's messing things up. Got sanctioned by the US. Oh, but, so, yeah. so funny. Ilya, samosa fillings in India, you you either have uh, like potatoes with just mad spice in there, 
or you have there's just spice involved and just put like any vegetable in there there's ones with onions and stuff but any of it is good i and, love indian food of course you love, love indian, indian food. food everyone loves everyone loves indian food i'm, I'm but, like uh, i'm tempted to do like a butter chicken or something oh what now yeah it's like it's 9 p.m over here it's not like fucking 6 a.m like it is over you it's not that bad honestly but uh that that guys does it for this week's episode junior first of all thanks a lot for coming on it's been an honor um we'll have you back soon of course and uh yeah thanks a lot for coming on and tell the people your twitter at again or anything you'd want them to follow um floor is yours yeah thanks um before I close off, I think there is one question there which I think I have an answer to. Uh, is that? Um, yeah, the Uzbekistan. Third question. I think this happens in a lot of countries where you find the biggest city hosts the highest amount of clubs. Um, biggest or richest. Sometimes they, the biggest city is the richest city. Sometimes it's also yeah. the capital city. I think in Turkey you could say the same for Istanbul. Yeah. Not the capital, but is essentially has it is. 15 yeah. a sixth of the population um a lot of people say there are quite a number of istanbul clubs far too many according to some i think we have six or five in the league this season mm-hmm. and yeah it it it, it happens and it the does. other question the other question was and the league expansion and i have never been fan of a fan of league expansions, I think. For Russia 16 is very, very ideal. A lot of countries could do it. League reductions. Turkey has 21. 21, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it, it, it really isn't fun at all. It, it takes away from... You have a lot of... Dead clubs. Dead rubber teams. Um, yeah, it's... 16 is perfect as it is for Russia, in my opinion. You know, see, you know what, 21, that was always really weird to me. I'm sorry to like, because it's what, four teams or six teams, four teams will get relegated, won't they? And three will come up? Yeah, four teams will go down to make it um, 17, and then... And then three will come up, yeah. Three will come up. Yeah, that's really weird. But yeah, go on. Is it? I think I'm not sure if it's three or one because if we usually have 18 teams in in Turkey, so it would make sense if only one came up. I'm not really 100% sure on that, but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I think I heard somewhere where like one coming up would just be overkill, like I mean, like <laughs> underkill, honestly, not overkill, but that would be that'd be funny. Um, yeah, closing. Thanks for having me on the the pod. Uh, it's something we've talked about for a while. Since a few weeks after we first followed each other, I think. Um, yeah, it's been in the making. It's definitely been in the making. Um, yeah, I was unavailable for a really long time. Uh, I was out of the capital city. And yeah, I think being back, uh, I'd be more than happy to come on to more episodes in the future. Of course. Yeah. Uh, shout out Nairobi as well. Why not? Good city. Never been there, but I'm sure it's a good city. Um, yes. Artem, would you like to do the honors again? Yeah, um, like Hanu said, Junior, pleasure to have you on. 
you're always welcome to come back on just drop us a message and um yeah so everybody listening gold medal on sport rex you already know what to do like on youtube comments on t- twitter facebook we don't have facebook what am i talking facebook. about whatever like literally just talk to us because sometimes we get lonely um <laughs> so thanks a million again for listening and see you all next week